0: The Revolt of 2020 by Patrick Johnston. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Patrick Johnston. Read by Daniel Meyer. By kind permission of the author, this reading of The Revolt of 2020 is available for free distribution. Stay tuned at the end of this reading for more information and links to additional resources. Chapter 9. Washington, D.C. At the next cabinet meeting, Margaret Brighton stunned them all by proposing an executive order that would broaden federal gun laws. The ATF director, Bill Erdman, was present to help her make their case. Danny couldn't help but bring up an objection. Are the governors on our side, Madam President? Many of them strongly support Second Amendment rights. So do we, Bill Erdman interjected, waving his thin black bangs away from his eyes. We're regulating just like the Second Amendment says. Let's not equivocate on terms, Danny gazed sternly at the ATF director. Many governors believe in the individual right to keep and bear arms, and they are against federal restriction of that right. You can't beat your enemy unless you know them. I know of five states that have broadened their concealed carry legislation just in the past year, and the courts have allowed them. Danny turned to the president. If we are going to do this, we need to honestly assess the political consequences. Are we going to have a major conflict with the states as a result of this magnificent? He added that to settle Erdman down. Legislation? We are likely to face so much insubordination from so many states that what we are presently facing with the initiative will pale by comparison. What are we going to do if state leadership openly encourages violation of these laws or provides safe harbor to violators? What are we going to do if juries refuse to convict violators and they release them as fast as we arrest them? We aren't going to take it to a jury unless we're confident we can win it, President Brighton responded. We have firm legal precedent, said the Attorney General Victor Myers by way of the encrypted video technology to suspend the right to trial by jury and have the instigators incarcerated indefinitely, at least until things settle down. The Bozeman sheriff will never see a jury. The president nodded enthusiastically. Abraham Lincoln had 14,000 critical Northerners arrested with executive suspension of habeas corpus. He just arrested the Copperheads and locked them up. He also shut down over 300 newspapers and journals that gave him a hard time about his invasion of the South. As Lincoln could attest, Danny responded, that kind of move is a politically costly decision, Madam President. He didn't survive it. That's a risk I'm willing to take, the President responded without a blink. Our very lives are expendable for the cause of remaking this nation in our image, and that's why we're going to win. I haven't even played half the cards in my hand. She winked at the Secretary of Defense, who sat in silence at the far end of the table. He appeared unmoved by her confidence. Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Sue Wilders was eating dinner at the famous Hard Rock Cafe with her husband. He was worried sick about her. Honey, aren't you scared? You can always pick another specialty. This is what I want to do, she answered. Reproductive health is more dangerous now than when you got into it. You can always go back to delivering babies or surgery. Think of our kids, dear. When Donnie and Angela are adults, I want them to be able to know that their mother took great risks in order to preserve their rights. There is no greater gift I can give to our children, she said with pride. Besides, doing abortions is more profitable than delivering babies. It's not worth it, Sue. Not to me. It's too risky. If I give in to the intimidation of this anti-choice minority, they will have won, she answered. Don't you see? That's what they want. They can't silence the will of the people, and they can't kill 2,000 abortion providers in America, so they try to murder a few in order to intimidate the rest. Several Atlanta-area abortionists died in the Columbus bombing, and several more abortionists retired or changed to another specialty after that. I cannot give in to fear. If we keep going to work, we win. Her husband didn't like her stubbornness, but he certainly admired her bravery. I received a call today from the Department of Justice, she went on. Her husband choked on his Chardonnay when he heard that. He picked the napkin up off his lap and dabbed his chin with it. What? They're willing to provide me full-time protection. You going to take them up on it? I think I will. While listening to his wife, he looked briefly over her shoulder to the table behind her. He saw the waiter turn, carrying a large empty plate draped by a napkin. He thought he saw something under the plate that got his attention. His heart dropped at the thought of the worst-case scenario. He looked into the face of the waiter as he walked toward their table and didn't recognize him. They had been to this restaurant dozens of times and he had never seen this man before. Dr. Wilder suddenly realized that her husband had a frightened look on his face. Is everything okay? Without warning, he stood up and shouted, Duck! Rather than duck, she turned around to see what he was so excited about and she found a pistol being raised to her head. She screamed as her husband threw his plate like a frisbee at the assailant. It smashed into his face, sending shards of china in all directions. The gun fired and the bullet careened just over Dr. Wilder's head and hit her husband in the shoulder. The assailant dropped the gun and staggered as blood spurted from a gaping wound over his right eye. Ben Wilders winced in pain as he looked down at his left shoulder. People were screaming and running from the restaurant in a state of panic. He regained his composure and grabbed a steak knife off the table and went to the staggering assailant. Blood was gushing from a large horizontal wound from his right eyebrow across the bridge of his nose. The assailant groaned and was reaching up to check his eye when Ben pushed him hard. The assailant fell across a chair and landed on his back. ''Don't you move!'' Ben ordered as he stood over him with his knife. He motioned for his wife to get the gun that had fallen on the ground. ''There it is!'' he pointed. ''Grab it, honey!'' The assassin moaned from the floor with his hands on his bleeding face. ''My eye!'' His wife stooped to pick up the weapon and then walked over and stood behind her husband, studying his bleeding shoulder. ''Are you okay, Ben?'' She then looked at the assailant on the ground. ''Hey, I know this guy. We filed an injunction against him last week. He has been protesting in front of my clinic for years.'' blood shot rhythmically into the air from the gaping wound in his eyebrow and pooled in his right eye socket. That evening at 8, President Brighton appeared with Dr. Wilders and her injured husband in a press conference at the Atlanta airport. First, Dr. Wilders gave her story as she held her 18-month-old little girl. She twice had to pause to regain her composure. As she told of her husband's bravery in the face of the murderous rampage of the anti-abortion religious fanatic, she put her arm around his waist and looked at him passionately for a moment. At once, the president stepped close to her and placed a hand on her back to comfort her, setting up an excellent photo op. For an awkward moment, Dr. Wilders broke down in tears as she placed her cheek against her husband's shoulder. President Brighton walked up to the microphone and began to applaud. Everyone else followed her lead. Then the president began to mention the names of other physicians who had either disappeared or had been killed since the bombing in Columbus. She made note of the suspicious circumstances surrounding the deaths of dozens of physicians and reproductive health clinic workers. She then looked straight into the camera. The era of easy guns and religious hatred is finally over. She gritted her teeth as the crowd of onlookers applauded and cheered her ambition. We are bringing an end to this violence. The response of the carefully selected democratic crowd was overwhelming. Shouts, cheers, and vigorous applause punctuated her speech continuously. After she was done, she hugged Dr. and Mr. Wilders and kissed their little baby girl. A tear of joy in her eye and a smirk of zealous determination on her face. Thank you for listening to this reading from The Revolt of 2020. This chapter was read by Daniel Meyer and engineered by Park Leacock. The Revolt of 2020 and its sequels, The American Tyranny of 2020 and The Uncivil War of 2020, are available for purchase at docjohnstonnovels.com. That's docjohnstonnovels.com. O Lord, turn us back to you. Forgive our sins and heal our land.